0: everybody. Welcome to Sunday School at Trinity Presbyterian Church. We are glad to have you uh, joining us by way of uh, YouTube. Um, and we even started a little, little later, like we always do, but since we're online, not as much later. Okay, well, last time we spoke to each other, uh, we were talking about how to interp- interpret. Uh, Old Testament passages, specifically stories. Well, today, we're going to talk about how to interpret New Testament uh, passages, and this is not going to be, uh, I don't know, how do we put it, uh, it's not going to be everything. Um, this is not a hermeneutics class in which you will learn uh, all the in-depth uh, Understanding of such things, but this is a nice way to help you, especially in your devotions. It's simple, and I hope it's clear. We'll see. So let's open with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we are uh, thankful to you that you have given us your word, that we live at a time where we are able to have all of your word in written form, and that we can study what you have given us. even as we pray, we know you can speak back to us through your word. We pray for wisdom, Lord, as we go through this, uh, this lesson, that maybe this might be a help uh, to some that um, might be struggling as they read your word, uh, that maybe this might uh, enlighten them and help them. So we pray for that, Lord. Pray for wisdom as I speak and for your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if you have your little uh, piece of paper uh, that I have sent, uh, go ahead and get that out. Get your pens ready, or uh, whatever else you use, and uh, we will we will get going. Uh, some of you might uh, play uh, Russian roulette with the Bible. Uh, you uh, uh, and I've done this myself. I'm not. Uh, i not the only. <laughs> I don't think I'm the only one, though. Um, where you open the Bible and you say, well, you know, I'm kind of in a hurry this morning, let's just see what we got. We open it and we kind of just uh, hit a spot and we start reading. Uh, and, um, and what uh, the different problems that brings is that you might read something without really knowing what's around it or how to, t- how to think about it. You might come to some bad, uh, some bad conclusions. Uh, Let me give you an example. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 20 and 21. Verse 20 and 21. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father and and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, I have uh, heard sermons, uh, even in conservative churches, that have preached on this very verse, and have said, you see, uh, this word subject is, uh, also means to submit. And that if we are to submit to each other, this is a give-and-take situation where we are... Uh, submitting to each other. So sometimes uh, the husband will have to submit to his wife, and sometimes the wife will have to submit to the husband. Sometimes uh, the congregation will have to submit to the elders and the pastor, and sometimes the elders and pastors will have to submit to the congregation. And there's this uh, give-and-take submission, this complementary view of how we submit to each other. The question is, is that how we're supposed to read that verse? Is that what it's really saying? I mean, it seems to say that when we just read it right out of... Just kind of pull it out and look at it. Saying to submit to each other. So what are we supposed to make of this? So the three things we're going to look at as as uh, you open your Bible and you start reading passages from it. I want you to think of three words. And it's the first three words on your little handout there that uh the 3 Cs and because they all start with th- with a c and uh and it's uh, such a cute little thing uh, it must be true right so number 1 context number 2 content and number 3 concept so those three things we're going to look at content uh or con- context content and then concept. So, let's look at context. And as you know, a context is when you're looking to see what's around there. Um, there's some, uh, if you look at your context, uh, right under there uh, on, your, on your page, you will see uh, some questions that you have to ask yourself to figure out what this is. So the first thing we're going to look at is who's talking to whom. Or who's writing to whom? So we know this is Paul, all right. If we if you look back in chapter one of Ephesians, go ahead and turn back there for uh, with me. Uh, the first uh, in your NASB, anyway. The first word of the entire uh, book is Paul's name, Paul. So we know who's talking, and he's talking to. Uh, we see in that first verse, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. And so um, we know that the people we're talking to, uh, or the people that Paul is talking to anyway, is uh, the church. Now this is important because Paul is talking to people that are Christians. He's talking to people that are already involved in the church. So he's not talking to unbelievers. Uh, This is important to know because there's a lot of verses that some people uh, misread because they don't know who that Paul is talking to the church so we know that so far and the second thing we want to know is what is the reason or your or your next uh your next blank there is the occasion what's the occasion of his of this book why is he writing this to them and as Paul uh, speaks in the first part of uh, this chapter, in Ephesians chapter 1, we see a lot of um, him talking about predestination and all that sort of stuff, and that's really great. But as we get down to, the, to verse 18, we see that he's, he starts telling us why he is writing this book to the Ephesians, or uh, this, this letter. Um. Let's start with uh, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, that are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. So there is uh, a need that Paul sees in Ephesus, that their hearts need to be enlightened, that there's something that they don't know, but it's not just their mind. It's not just that they don't know something in their brain and he needs to give them the data to put in their brain, but he's saying, not just your mind, but your heart needs to be enlightened, that there's something about uh, not just what you're thinking about, but your uh, very being, who you are, needs to needs some adjustment. And in that adjustment, you will be able to see the glory of God. And that seems to be the goal of this, of this letter. So then we ask ourselves, what is the beginning and end of the thought that we're interested in? So we go back to chapter 5. We're looking at this verse, always giving thanks... To, for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So where does that thought even begin? Where we even get to verse twenty-one? Where is the thought? What do you guys think? Where are we now? What's helpful if you have your your NASB or uh, your uh, new interna- or new uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> New American Standard. Um, they give us uh, paragraphs. So where do you think that this uh, this thought starts? What verse? What was that? Verse 15. verse 15, that's correct. Yes, verse 15. We even see that there's an indentation there that tells us there's a paragraph starting here. Now, it's okay for you to use... Uh, your English grammar skills. We're going to learn that in just a little bit. But we need to know where where that thought starts so that we know uh, where this conclusion is going, that we've stumbled upon. So the thought starts in verse 15. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men but as wise. And So that will be pretty important. So now we kind of have our context. We know uh, who's writing to whom. We know the occasion that the hearts of the, of the Ephesians need to be enlightened, that they need to know something about the Lord so that they might give him glory and be thankful. And we know where our thought begins and ends. The thought itself that we're looking for, this concept that we're trying to get at, is starts at 15 and ends at 21. So let's go to content We're ready for our content now. That means we're going to look at the actual uh, passage, 15 through 21, and see where it's leading us. So uh, first, our first question there is, what is the grammar of the text? All right. Now, I think I just lost some of you. You may have just switched to another church to see what their Sunday school is like, because I brought up... Grammar. Now, I know that grammar is not pretty. We don't like grammar. Um, It's what we knew we wouldn't need when we were in high school. And the teacher kept convincing us we had to know this. Well, uh, it might help us today. So, let's ask ourselves, uh, do we remember what the topic sentence was? Remember when we, we learned about paragraphs... Paragraph is a single uh, train of thought that gives one idea, and that one idea needs to be led by what we call a topic sentence. And where do we find the topic sentence? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The first sentence of the paragraph is typically your topic sentence. It tells you what the rest of the paragraph is going to be about, right? Okay. could be uh, worse. I could be talking about math this morning. Oh, you like that. Okay, well, all right. (laughs) So, (laughs) grammar has finally made its way to even the back of math. That's bad. Okay. So, your topic sentence. So, we look at verse 15. We've agreed that verse 15 starts the paragraph of uh, the thought that we're looking for. And the topic sentence is, therefore, be uh, careful of how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. So everything else underneath that is going to be about how to walk as a wise man. Right? And that's going to that's gonna come in handy in just a little bit. But let's keep looking at some things. What are some other... Uh, issues of grammar we can look at. Um, Let's ask this. We saw in our topic sentence the word therefore. Does that mean anything to you? I see some heads nodding, and I'm sure there's some heads nodding online as well. So what does the word therefore tell us? Okay, good, because of all the stuff I just said, now I want you to do this. So what's all the stuff he just said? Well, we have to go look at that. Uh, if we look at uh, the first verse of chapter 5, uh, we see another therefore. And that's uh, that's that's unfortunate, because now we have to go back. We won't have an endless... Uh, an un- <laughs> Because if we look at the first verse of chapter four, we will see therefore again i'll give you a hint um, so let's just uh let's just uh start at chapter five, first verse It says, "Therefore be imitators of God, and what we see before that is talking about the body of Christ and the way God forgives his people, and then we under then we come into chapter five, and it says, "Therefore." So because you are the body of Christ, because God has forgiven you, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Okay, so now we know that if we're going to look at our verses that we were interested in, verse 20 and 21, there is something there about imitating God being imitators of, of God as beloved children. And it talks about walking in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God as, as a fragrant aroma. So as we look at the grammar, just we're just looking at grammar here, we're looking at topic sentences that are telling us something about our passage. One topic sentence of the whole chapter is telling us that everything in this chapter is going to be talking about how we're to imitate God. We're to imitate him, not in a way that we're trying to be God, but we're trying to imitate him as children would imitate their father. So children, when they imitate their father, are not trying to be the father. They're not trying to assume the authority of the father, right? But we find great joy when our children imitate us or at least imitate the good stuff. <laughs> um, and we find joy in that because they are trying to be like us, as children are like their, their parents. And that's what's being talked about here. And so as we walk, what does it mean when it's talking about walking? Paul uses this analogy a lot. So he talks about our Christian life being a walk. What does that mean? Okay, following. Okay. Okay, following in a direction, bringing forth effort, and this walking um, has that idea of following because what's our what's the topic sentence of the whole chapter? Right, to imitate. Imitate God. And in that imitation, there's going to be this effort that we make towards that imitation. It's like a walking. It's like a daily moving forward in the direction of our Father. And this direction, uh, there's a lot going on in what he wants us to do in this chapter. Um, There are, and this is another ugly word, participles. Participles you all remember what participles are? Okay, an easy way to remember what participles are, and this is over, This I am oversimplifying this, and that's okay, uh, English teachers, it's okay for today, we're going to oversimplify. So uh, when I talk about participles, especially when we talk about scripture, I'm, I'm asking you to look for words that end in I-N-G, ing, okay? <laughs> So walking and giving and making and trying, all these uh, ING words, look for those. Um, they are strategically placed in, in the scriptures because in the Greek they're pretty important, as they are in the English. Uh, we become more aware of them as we learn Greek because uh, they're foundational to pointing to something. But what we've found is that the same thing happens in English. Uh, participles, your blank there, are for pointers. They point at something. They're asking you to look at something. Uh, think of a participle as an ing word that's saying, look over here. And so then you try and find it. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Um, if you look at verse 20... It says, always giving thanks for all things, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father, and being subject or submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And as you look at verse 19, we see speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And so we find that as we're looking at these verses, there's ing words that are saying, "Hey, look, we're going somewhere. We're pointing at something. You are to look at something that is going to um, that's going to be the reason for these ing words." So let's look at what that might be. Um, uh, let's start at verse fifteen. Remember, this is where our our concept is going to start, our, our little passage that we're concerned about. Therefore, be careful how you walk, okay? Remember, the very beginning of the chapter is to imitate God, and it's talking about walking, right? We are to walk in love. And so now, in verse 15, it's saying, now I want you to be careful how you walk, not as unwise but it's wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Okay, so now it's saying this walking that we're supposed to do needs to be wise. And um, one way we, we are going to do that is making the most of our time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, So part of this wisdom, this walking as a wise man, is knowing what the, the will of the Lord is. And so he says, and so do not get drunk with wine, for that is uh, dissipation, but be filled. Now here's something I haven't told you yet. Participles can end in ED as well. Not just ING. Here's another rule. Just two. Trying to keep it light. But grammar is very important if you're going to understand uh, passages written in a language. <laughs> okay. We have to remember that the Bible, whether you read it in Greek or uh, English or German, if it's written in a language, we've got to know the rules. And those rules are going to help you understand what it's saying. So it's saying to not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and we talked about that. Making melody, always giving thanks so that we can submit to one another. Okay, so we're using those I-N-G words to see what is the point of this passage that we're talking about. Okay, what's the point? Okay, and we also should be looking for patterns, That's your next blank there, looking for patterns. Now, Paul writes in a particular pattern. What he likes to do is he'll give you a command, and then he'll make a description. He'll give a command, and then he'll give a description. Sometimes he'll give a description, and then he'll give a command. We call this, the command we call imperatives. And this is something you learned in uh, elementary school, probably, that an imperative sentence is a command. So if someone says, clean your room, This is an imperative. Now, if someone wants to give a description, they might say, because your room is a mess. Your room is a mess is a description of what things are already like. The command is to clean it. Does that make sense? This is what Paul's going to be doing throughout this whole chapter, this whole letter, really. He's going to say, do this because things are this way. Because things are this way, I want you to do this. Does that make sense? So if you look for those patterns, you see what's connected to each other. What's connected? If you understand the connections, you start seeing that what the main issue of the passage starts coming up. So we notice that a lot of these, um, a lot of these ing words and ed words are in the commands. Okay, So making melody with your heart is a command. We're supposed to be speaking to one another in psalms. This is an imperative, speak to one another in these psalms. Um, we're supposed to be giving thanks. And we're supposed to be subject or submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. These are the commands. But these commands are also followed by a lot of description that are connected to each other. If we look at verse 22, it says, Wives, be subject or uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That is a command or a description? Command. Okay? So that means if it's a command, then there is the possibility of this not happening. Right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, verse 23, we're going to see a four. Oftentimes, when Paul says four, what he's getting at is a description. Not a command, a description. Something that is already the case. This is what's already the case. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So here we find, in verse 23, that... Husbands are not being commanded to be head of the home. They already are. This is a description of what's already the case. That's why women need to, or the wives need to, submit themselves to their husbands, because it's already the case that men are head of the home. So men are not being commanded to be head of the home because that is already the case because of Christ. The command is, it might be tempting for the wives to want to be head over the home, but that's not what should be happening. Make sense? Okay. So that kind of pattern helps us. Uh, what Old Testament allusions, allusions are made? Now that comes down a little later, and we're going to look at that a little later if we have time. But that's only if we have time. We're kind of running out of time, so we'll get to that later. What's nice about... The new American standard is that they put uh, Old Testament allusions in all caps, so you can see where they are. And you will see in verse 31 that there is uh, all caps there. That's referring to an Old Testament allusion back in Genesis, that this whole thing goes back to Genesis. We might have time to look at that, maybe not. So we're looking at all the all this grammar. You notice that we haven't really come to a conclusion yet because we're not talking about that yet. Now we're ready to talk about it because we're into the concept. What is it that we're supposed to know about this passage? So the first question that we need to be asking isn't what do I need to know about this passage? The first question we should be asking ourselves is: what is the audience that this book was or that this letter was written to? What are they supposed to know about this passage? What was Paul intending for Ephesus to understand? Remember, this whole thing is about enlightening their hearts. So there seems to be a disconnect in Ephesus between what they're supposed to know in their heads and how they're acting, how they're walking in their their Christian life. It might be that there might be a lot of people in Ephesus that knew in their mind, yes, uh, patterning my life after the Lord means submitting to each other. I, I know that. They're just not doing it. And so their hearts are not enlightened yet. And so part of the signals that we can look at here is the word therefore. And we notice that in verse 15, therefore be careful. That you're not walking as the unwise people walk, but you're walking as the wise people. And we're looking for a theme. And remember, all of the I-N-G words are starting to point at this theme. The theme is to enlighten our hearts. Now, how are we supposed to enlighten our hearts? At the beginning of the chapter, it says to imitate God as children. Well, how are we supposed to imitate God as children in our walk? How is that possible? What is the point of our little passage here? Is it that we're supposed to submit to each other? Is that the point that we're supposed to submit to each other? Let's see. So it's talking about being careful to be wise, because this is part of our walking with the Lord. Making the most of our time, because the days are evil, right? So that's the command, making the most of your time. The description is the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish. Okay, he's re-emphasizing this: don't be like the foolish people. We want to be like the wise. But understand that the what the will of the Lord is. Well, how are we supposed to understand what the will of the Lord is? How are we supposed to walk in a way that imitates God? How are we supposed to have our light, our hearts enlightened? How is any of this supposed to happen? Well, Stop filling yourself with something that makes you foolish. Instead, fill yourself with the Spirit. What does it say? And be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. If you are filled with the Spirit, then you will speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. You will sing and make melody. You will always be giving thanks. In fact, you will even submit to each other. So the ing words keep pointing back to that filling. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will sing, you will make melody, you will be giving thanks, and you will be submitting to each other. That's what will happen if you are filled with the Spirit. So the main issue of our passage here, and I would say even the main issue of this whole chapter, in fact, the whole chapter that then just kind of keeps telling you the ramifications of what happens if you're filled with the Spirit, right? What does it mean to submit to each other? What you can imagine there, if you look at um, verse 21, this is merely talking about the consequence of what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to submit to one another. What does that look like? What does it look like when people are submitting to each other? Well, first of all, the wife submits to the husband. Um, servants submit to their boss. Uh, children submit to their parents. That's what it looks like. That's the rest of, your, that's the, rest of the whole le- uh, a letter, except for when he says, well, you know, the whole reason I'm, I'm, I'm giving you all this ammunition of, how to, of why you need to be filled with the Spirit and submit to those you're supposed to submit to is because we're in a battle. We're in a battle with Satan and his workers that you can't see. And Satan and his workers that you can't see are desperate for you not to do, not to do the correct kind of submitting that you're supposed to be doing. Because that's how he can tear the church apart and tear Christ's body apart, right? And so we find that verse uh, 15 through 21 is pretty important, but the thing we thought was so important, the thing we really wanted to hang our hat on, which was uh, submitting to one another, wasn't the main point. That was a consequence of the main point. The main point, once we go through the context, the content, and we're looking for the concept, we see that the main point is to be filled with the Spirit, and so we we've asked ourselves, what are the signals? That's the therefores. Is the theme that's your that's your next little blank there? Is the theme of the of the book paraphrased in the chapter? What we find in the in the chapter is our light, our uh, hearts being enlightened. Um, in chapter five, it doesn't necessarily restate the theme, but it starts telling you how the theme is to be accomplished. In chapter 5, if your heart is to be enlightened, it's going to be enlightened by you imitating God. And this imitation requires of you a particular kind of walk. And this walk is going to be one in which you do not follow foolishness or unwise people, but wise. You're looking for wisdom. Now, the only way that that's going to be able to be accomplished, the only way your walk is going to look that way, the only way you're going to be able to imitate God in your walk is if you are filled with the Spirit. And what we find is that we see these commands are next. We see what is commanded. That's your next blank there. What is commanded? Well, what is commanded are the things that are expected out of someone that is filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to sing to one another. You're going to make melody. You're going to give thanks. And you're going to submit to each other in the proper way. And that's what the next uh, the next verses and into the next chapter is talking about. What is the right way to submit to each other? And it gives you the right way to do it. That you can even imagine... Um, at the end of verse 21, a colon there. Because it's saying, uh, be be subject or submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Colon, this is how. Wives submit to husbands, husbands submit to Christ, uh, and so forth. Children submit to parents, and on and on it goes. So I would encourage you, as you are thinking about um, spending I hope, more time. Um, I know that people are looking for um, blessings of, the, of this strange time we live in. One blessing might be that we are able to find more time to spend with the Lord. Um, not just in, in prayer, but in thinking about what he wants to say back to us. And as the Lord speaks back to us through his word, it is important for us to do the work that's required to know what he's saying. I mean, even within, um, even within our passage, it says, um, So then, do not be foolish, but instead, what you're supposed to do is understand what the will of the Lord is. I mean, it's at times like these that we're grasping at what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Why is this happening? What am I supposed to do in response to all this? Um, the answer um, isn't necessarily go out and uh, buy a bunch of stuff or, uh, you know, the kind of advice we want to have, but instead it's the, the kind of advice we must have. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that filling, you will, and here the commands come, love each other better than you ever could. Otherwise, in fact, you can't love each other without the filling of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of our chapter of uh, verse five, or chapter five, it says, "Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and then you see um, connected to that, and walk in love. Not just walk as good Christians, but walk in love just as Christ also loved you." And we find that this love is expressed when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You can sing to each other. You can give thanks with each other and for each other. And submitting to each other becomes a joy that only the Holy Spirit can make possible. I mean, think of how offensive verse 22 is to the world right now. Um, It is asking wives to submit to their own husbands, not begrudgingly, and not just a little bit, and not just maybe, you know, for submit, you know, it doesn't say wives be subject to your own husbands in the finances. Of course, that'd be a big one, though, wouldn't it? (laughs) Uh, It doesn't say just in discipline of your children, but it says... Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. The way you submit yourself to the Lord, that's how you should submit to your husband. That's offensive. Uh, To the rest of the world, that's oppressive and hateful and terrible, misogynistic. It's all these things, but how does those things become possible and joyful? It becomes possible and joyful if you are filled with the Spirit. In fact, that is the prerequisite for these things um, to be joyful. Because in the in our world that we live in, it is unnatural. They do not see that as a natural thing. And because of our sin nature, we don't like it either. So my hope is, is as you have more time, maybe, to spend with your with your Lord, that you go through the process that is going to be super important for you to understand the Lord's will. If you are to understand the Lord's will for you, especially at times like this, it's going to take work for you to understand his word. And his word is understood in language, which means you have to pay attention to even grammar and the context. And it takes work. If what I went through just now seemed a little confusing... Uh, a lot of that might be because I taught it terribly, but another part of that might be because it's hard work. It's hard, and God knew it would be hard, and He, uh, it was His will for it to be hard, because He wants you to do the work necessary to understand Him, to understand His will, to understand His word. And it takes not just maybe a Russian roulette uh, approach to your scriptures, but maybe you'll have to start on a particular book and move forward from there so you can see the whole context. And ask yourself these questions all along the way, Uh, especially in the New Testament. uh, The thesis, the thing that is going to be the centerpiece of that letter is usually given to you in that first chapter. Maybe not necessarily the first few verses, but it's in that first chapter. And you have to look for it. And it's hard. And it might take take some commentaries. But you look for that little piece. What is this whole thing supposed to do for me? And the whole thing, uh, especially in Ephesians, is to enlighten your heart. And you should be asking yourself as you're reading through Ephesians, well, how am I supposed to enlighten my heart? I know that's what's supposed to happen. But how is this possible? And all through each chapter... Paul is showing you, this is how your heart is going to be enlightened. This is what you need to do. This is the way things already are. This is what you need to do. And as you start seeing those descriptions and commands, descriptions and commands, you start realizing, oh, I'm getting what I'm supposed to do as I'm reading through this chapter because I'm understanding what Paul wanted Ephesus to do. And hopefully... Uh, keeping that in mind. i got to remember my context. i got to remember what my content is supposed to be and what's the concept I'm supposed to get from this. If those three C's keep going through your mind as you're reading your passage, um, I hope that would be a help to you. and Maybe you'll understand it better so you can understand the will of the Lord better so you can know how you are to walk. Let's have a word of prayer, and we will prepare ourselves then for the worship service. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you uh, thinking about your word, thinking about even in the New Testament how it was constructed for our learning. Lord, we pray that maybe uh, something from this might be a help, that as uh, our congregation starts opening your word and trying uh, with great effort to understand what your will is, that your word through the work of the Holy Spirit might, uh, might enlighten their hearts. We pray for uh, wisdom even as we begin this worship service, that the work of your Holy Spirit would enlighten our hearts, not just uh, in understanding, Lord, but in doing and walking in our uh, path, in our Christian path throughout this week from what we hear today, Lord. Be with the words of Andrew as we listen to your word come through his mouth that we might bow our hearts in humility and submit to the word that we hear. Lord, we ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen.